What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Casual Big Ten Podcast. Today is Wednesday, July 26, 2023. We've only got two more teams to cover. It's Rutgers and Northwestern, but on today's show, it's all about Rutgers. Full disclosure, peel the curtain back just a little bit. I asked a bunch of people to come on the show that I respected, that I thought had good opinions about each team. I got two responses from Rutgers, Aaron Brightman and Richie Schneiderite. Both said yes. I wanted to interview them both, so I did. That means today I'm dropping a double album, two episodes about Rutgers football, depending on which one you clicked on, because I'm not recording this intro twice. (laughs) Depending on which one you just clicked on, you're either about to hear from Aaron or Richie. Had a great time talking to both of them. Um, You'll hear all the things that they do within the Rutgers football community in just a few minutes, but thank you so much for watching this. I would listen to them both. I'm going to. I'm going to listen back to them both. We recorded a few weeks ago, so some things may have changed, you know, in that, uh, you know, maybe transfers have happened since then. I haven't really been keeping track. In fact, I'm recording this a few weeks ago from when it comes out. So some major stuff might happen even from now. We'll see. (laughs) But I had a great time with Aaron and Richie. Uh, Hope you guys enjoy whichever one you clicked on. Like I said, listen to them both. We talked about a little bit of the same stuff, but we switched it up too. So I'm just going to give them their full episode, put them out separately, and uh, I hope you enjoy uh, some Rutgers football talk today. All right, joining us now is Aaron Brightman. He is the creator of, let's make sure I get this right here before I mess it up. It is The Scarlet Faithful, and he has a website. It's called thescarletfaithful.com. He's a avid Twitter user. He's an expert when it comes to Rutgers football, and he's here to turn us casuals into Rutgers football ex- experts as well. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on, man. Hey, thanks for the intro, and uh, appreciate you having me. Awesome, man. Um, really excited to talk to you about some Rutgers football. I'll be the first to admit that I'm not anywhere near an expert when it comes to your team. Um, the things that have gone on in the off season. So I'm really excited to pick your brain about some of these things and talk to you about the upcoming season. Uh, before we do that, though, can you tell me how you got started even following Rutgers? What's your connection with the university? And maybe a little bit about how the website started and just the whole following that you have. Sure. Yeah. Thanks so much. Uh, yeah. So basically, I've been a fan since I was five years old. Uh, I moved to New Jersey because my father got a job at Rutgers. Uh, So to date myself, it's been four decades uh, as being a Rutgers fan. uh, I did go to uh, school there as well. I graduated in in 2000. So uh, Rutgers went eight and 40, eight and 36 when I was was there. Uh, My senior year, they won. (laughs) No, not great. Uh, My senior year, they won one game. We beat Syracuse. I forget the score of the game, but uh, yeah, tailgating was a lot of fun. Uh, going to the games was not. Uh, but yeah, I've been going to games for, for yeah, basically four decades now. And um, I uh, in 2015, I started uh, writing about Rutgers with On the Banks, the SB Nation site. And uh, and then about a year ago, I was had the opportunity to uh, basically partner up with um, Ant Wright, who uh, is a pretty avid uh, Twitter user and uh, social media presence uh, with the Full Ride Network, and uh, we're co-owners of the Scarlet Faithful now. So, uh, yeah, it's been uh, a lot of fun and uh, surreal at times to cover, you know, a team and uh, 
a school that you went to and you've been uh, fans of forever. And, you know, I used to go to soccer games when I was a kid and all that and uh, basketball as well. So, yeah, it's been a real uh, it's been a fun ride and uh, just interacting with Rutgers fans throughout the whole process. I have to ask you this because I don't get a lot of people that I talk to that have been a fan for a team for that long before. If you had to pick out one game that you remember, you were like, this was the game that was like the best over the last four decades, as you said, what's what game was that? Yeah, it's a great question. And for Rutgers fans, unfortunately, we don't have a very long list to choose from, <laughs> uh, but it was definitely 2006. Uh, I was there. Uh, it was Early November, Rutgers was ranked 15th. They played uh, Louisville, who was number three at the time. They were both undefeated. It was a Thursday night game. And uh, Rutgers was down big early. Uh, it was Ray Rice team. And uh, they came back and they won 28 to 25 and uh, moved into the top 10. They were 9 and 0. It was, you know, about as, it, it was the, the highest of high points for, for the Greg Schiano era. And, uh, yeah, that was that. That's the game that every Rutgers fan is going to tell you for now, and um, it, it was a wild ride. They ended up losing the next week at Cincinnati, and then they uh, lost in triple overtime at West Virginia to lose the Big East title oh. uh, to West Virginia. So yeah, it was it was a wild season, but it was you know certainly an arrival point for Shiano and uh, kind of the beginning of the program having a really good run under him that first tenure uh, for about you know going to bowl games year after year and. Uh, you know, back to back to back to back winning seasons. That's awesome. I I do want to talk about coach in just a second, but I have your website pulled up on the screen right now. Um, what you're not just covering football. What other sports are you covering? Like I, I see right now, there's like a baseball story on here. Are you doing all sports or is it just yeah. mainly football and basketball? No, I've kind of always covered everything. Um, you know, it's been, it's been a great kind of getting to know all the different coaches at Rutgers. And uh, yeah, so with my podcast, I usually have almost every coach on. And, uh, you know, depending on what's going on, I, I will try to cover as many sports as possible. So, um, you know, my primary is obviously are football and, and men's basketball. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm credentialed for all the sports and and I uh, try to cover as much as possible because, you know, it, it's great to give those sports some some coverage as well. And you'd be yeah. surprised how many, how many fans there really are that, you know, do follow those programs. And, uh, you know, Big Ten fans like to rag on Rutgers fans and say, oh, we didn't know there were Rutgers fans. But, you know, we're, we are one of the oldest colleges in, in America and uh, have a pretty, uh, you know, uh, long tradition, although not as winning of one as we would like in some sports. Uh, you know, there's a lot of pride there and a lot of programs that we've had for a long time. So there, there is a, a pretty strong following for a lot of sports at Rutgers. I definitely can admire that, man, because I'm just trying to do football and basketball, and that seems overwhelming. So trying to cover all those sports, man, that's really impressive. So congrats to you. So anybody that is looking forward, like a Rutgers fan, you guys got to be following this guy. Make sure that uh, you are on his website and everything because you got all the sports covered, man. That's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. So let's get back to Coach real quick. Uh, I wanted to know just in general, you just kind of mentioned that there's not a huge history of a winning program there over the last three, everyone knows, uh, Cosciano's like history. He was there, he left, he came back, but over the last three years that he was there, it was 12 and 22. And I'm just kind of curious as a fan or as the fan base in general, what do you guys define a successful season for coach in general? Yeah. So he came back to a pretty tough situation, uh, after, you know, Shiano did leave, uh, for the NFL 
Kyle Flood took over, uh, had a couple good years, but kind of ran the program into the ground. Uh, you know, there was some, uh, violations and, uh, it was, it was not a good situation pretty quickly went from, you know, Shiano had the, the upsetting thing is he recruited uh, to finally the highest level, you know, his last class was a top 25 national class. He'd finally gotten things to where he wanted it. And then he left and, uh, things went downhill. Uh, and then they hired Chris Ash and really the talent level that Shiano took over, uh, prior to the 2020 season, it was not a big 10 caliber roster, uh, not even close. So, you know, it's definitely a kind of a, a little bit of a polarizing topic from Rutgers fans in terms of, you know, the, the, the kind of, uh, degrees of, of expectations and pleasure versus, you know, or discontent. Um, I, I'm kind of in the middle where I understand how far he's had to come with the program. I do think, you know, the current recruiting is, is starting to get to the level where he wants it to be. Uh, patience is really hard, you know, and Rutgers has gotten beaten up pretty bad in the Big Ten and uh, fans are tired of it. Um, they did go to a bowl game that second year with Shiano back. It was, mm -hmm. you know, due to COVID, uh, I forget, was it um, – I, for, I, I forget which team out. bailed out due, due to COVID. Uh, it was Texas A&M. That's who it was. And Rutgers went to the Gator Bowl. So that was, you know, cool, of course. But they did go 5-8 and eight that year. They lost their last three games. But he did get them to 5-5. Five and five. That was as late in the season as they've been 500, you know, since 2014. So that was something. And then last year, you know, it, it was a disappointment with how the season finished. They did suffer a lot of injuries, which was part of it. But yeah, there's certainly pressure on him this year. Um, how much pressure? I mean, you know, he's signed to an eight-year deal. When people say he's going to be on the hot seat after this year, I kind of laugh at it. I, I, I don't think that's the case. We all want to see, you know, a bowl game. We all want to see six wins. I think that's kind of the bar right now in terms of where we hope he can get it. And then ultimately, you know, kind of keep it there and then kind of gradually increase over time. There's certainly concerns about NIL and all that. Um, but uh, overall, I think, you know, the program is definitely in a better position. I, I really like where the coaching staff's at right now. And, and I think the schedule is such that they have a shot at winning six games this year. I, I think if they don't do it, you know, as long as there's not a disaster and they're awful and take another step back, you know, I, I think that it is unfortunately going to take time. And, um, you know, but I, I think that, yeah, fans are kind of in the middle. There's certainly some fans that are tired and 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 think that you know he needs to, to get better right away now uh entering year four but um i think most fans see that you know a little patience is is still going to be needed yeah anytime i hear a fan base immediately throw out the hot seat word um <laughs> i i always tend for some reason i tend to defend the coaches i don't know why i have no reason to but my argument back to fans usually is well, who do you want them? Because when I think of Rutgers, I think of Coach Chiano, and I know that he cares, and I know he wants to win. So are you going to find somebody else that's going to come in? And I, I think the answer to that is no, just from an outsider's perspective. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And the other part of this, too, is is from a financial perspective, you know, Rutgers still isn't getting their full Big Ten share. Uh, the, it's, it's no secret the athletic department has had their financial issues. So, you know, just the, the and reason that's a big reason why I laugh at the hot seat comment because the idea of buying out you know multiple years of his contract and then investing the type of money they would need to invest to get the right coach to come in and like you just said would they even have the right coach to want to come in 
it, it's a lot of hurdles to cross. And I think, you know, for better or worse, um, I hate to use the word stuck, but I, I, I mean, Shiano's going to have time to, to either work it out or he's just not going to figure it out, but he's going to have all the time he, he needs and wants. Uh, and that's, that's why he asked for an eight year deal. And uh, I think he's going to get, you know, as close to that as, as, as he probably wants. Yeah. Well, one of the things that has changed since he started coaching at Rutgers is that the transfer portal is a huge deal now. Um, I'm the first to admit that I got burned out really quick this summer trying to follow everybody in the Big Ten and all the transfer portal news with uh, football especially, but also trying to do basketball. Um, Focusing on Rutgers, though, was there a big loss that you guys had from the transfer portal? And on the flip side of that, is there anybody that's coming in? I um, have read about Eric Rogers, Flip Dixon. I don't know how to pronounce this guy's last name, but Charles Amanaqua, I believe it is, um, coming in. And that's all guys that are in the defensive backfield, which has to has to uh, improve that defense a little bit, I would assume. Those were some bigger named guys that I saw. Um, anyone else that I'm missing that's coming in that would be really helpful this year? And then again, is there anyone else that you lost that you're like, man, I wish we still had that guy? Yeah, so great questions. It, it, it kind of speaks to where the roster is still trying to get to, where they, they, they've had, they had about 10 guys go on the portal, none of which were contributors last year. So mm. they actually didn't suffer any bad losses in the portal at all. Uh, and in terms of additions, so the, the three guys you mentioned were kind of the early ads in the transfer portal. Uh, agree that could all help in the secondary. I think Flip Dixon's probably going to, he's got a good shot at starting his safety. Eric Rogers probably going to play as well. Um, in terms of offense, they've added three guys now, uh, all impact guys from where they're coming from. But the concern is that none of them are coming from the FBS level. So they just added uh, Jaquay Jackson, who's a Division II All American wide receiver. They added Nassim Brantley, who is an all conference, uh, he's at Sacred Heart. Um, all-conference FCS receiver. Mm. And then they recently, in like the last week or two, added uh, from Maine, uh, Sean Bowman, who's a tight end. Uh, he's uh, He was all-conference there as well. The defensive coordinator, Joe Harris-Simiak, was the head coach at Maine when he recruited Bowman there. So that was the connection there. Probably, on paper, they're going to be your three best uh, options in the pass game. So impactful that they got them. My kind of, you know, realistic view is that as a Big Ten team, is that really what you want going into the season, having your probably three best options, uh, you know, with zero experience at the FBS level, not let alone, you know, or no power five experience, let alone uh, FBS. They lost three receivers last year, Aaron Crookshank, Shameen Jones, and uh, uh, Sean Ryan, who, you know, were, were, were okay, but as a group, I, I, I did like them. Uh, and they're, they're going to, you know, th- that's a big loss in terms of what they have coming back. Chris Long's a guy who showed flashes at times, but they're very unproven in the past game. And obviously uh, I know we'll get into quarterback, but just in terms of those ads, you know, yes, they're, they're good ads, but, um, how quickly they can adjust to the FBS level and the power five level is really the big question. Not only that too, but they've never played together. And there is something to be said about True. chemistry a little bit, you know, some of the teams that have had success especially in the East, they got a lot of guys that are coming back from last year. So going to be a uphill battle, I think, a little bit for that wide receiver core if they've never played together before. And then, like you said, haven't been on this level yet. It'll be interesting to see how they play. 
Yeah, it's. Uh, I do think there's some potential there. I think, you know, in terms of, I mean, listen, Rutgers, it's not going to be the most desirable destination for quality guys in the portal right now. That's just being realistic. You know, Sean Ryan last year from West Virginia, he, he was a great addition. You know, he was the third or fourth receiver. Uh, they also added Taj Harris from Syracuse, who had a really good career there, but he had some issues and he didn't even last more than one game. So when you're Rutgers right now, you know, certain guys, you're going to have to take risks and or you got to dip down to that lower level and get, you know, proven guys at that level that you're hoping can make a similar jump. Um, so I, I think what they did make, makes a lot of sense. But, um, yeah, just in terms of being a Big Ten team, you know, having your three top passing threats, you know, it's it's obviously a concern. There's no guarantees. Also took place this offseason was there was a little bit of a change in the schedule that's going to happen, not this year, but next year. I wanted to get your thoughts. I'm kind of asking everybody about this because it was really, in my opinion, the biggest offseason news. Um, Rutgers, I know, has Maryland as a protected rival starting in two years. Was there anybody else that I'm missing on that? No, they didn't have any other protected okay. rivals, but they were given uh, Penn State uh, and UCLA as the two other teams they'll play a home and home with those first two seasons. So, so there was some speculation they get Penn State as a protected as well. Um, obviously, glad they didn't. Um, but yeah, from a Rutgers perspective, it, it, it's a great change because being in the Big Ten East every year is brutal. Yeah, uh, as you know, and um, when your Rutgers trying to move up the standings. You know, having Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan, and uh, Penn State year after year after year is, you know, pretty tough. They've, they've obviously played Michigan State a lot better recently. But, you know, when they entered the conference and Michigan State was, you know, r- right up there with, with, the, with uh, the, the other well, the blue buds in the conference. So it's been a challenge. Uh, and I think now getting those teams, it's, it's kind of funny that first year, 2024, they play all the Big East Big Ten East teams, except Indiana, the one team they beat in the last two years. So, and they replaced they replaced them with uh, UCLA, and oh. then they kept Iowa as a crossover game, who they're you know in that six year deal with right now. So, yeah, 2024 is is an even harder schedule. Ironically, 2025 it opens up a lot. They don't have uh, Michigan or Ohio State on there. Uh, I have argued they they do replace them with USC and Wisconsin. So. I don't think it's really that much different, but in terms of the other games, they're playing a lot more West related teams. Uh, and I think overall 25 is certainly an opportunity for them to make some noise. I think based on how the schedule is looking. Right. That looks, I mean, I'm excited about the change. I think it's great for the conference overall. Um, the one thing that I think though, is it's going to make it even harder for teams to get to that big 10 championship game. How do you, do you agree about that? Yeah, I I do. I mean, I think I I think what you're gonna see is that the the traditionally really good teams, you know, that there's gonna be there's gonna be years where the schedule is gonna be debated in terms of one, you know, Penn State might have a more favorable schedule than Michigan and Ohio State. Yeah, those three fan bases are gonna bicker forever. So I think when you had the East, it was a little bit more. There was less. Um, you know, subjectiveness to the schedule where it, it, it was the schedule was kind of the schedule. Obviously, you had the West crossover where now I do think those teams could maybe have very different schedules that could weigh in, in, in the favor of certain teams. So I think there'll be more debate, more complaining. 
Uh, I saw so there was actually a Rutgers fan who was upset that they're picking the top. Two. I mean, how else do you you have to pick the top two teams in the standings, right? right. I think the tiebreakers will be fascinating to see. Um, but I'm a big fan of like like I love basketball and even the other sports where you see just one big long list in the standings. Yeah. I was tired of the divisions. I think it's going to make it more interesting, uh, especially with 16 teams now. I think it's been more fun to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm excited about it for sure. All right, let's focus back on uh, your team specifically. Um, as far as I know, and you can correct me if I'm wrong about this, the quarterback spot has not yet been decided. Maybe it has, and I just don't know it yet. You have uh, Gavin Wimsat, and um, I forgot to write his first name down. Simon, what's his first name? I forgot it. Evan Simon. Evan Simon. I did have that written down somewhere. Um, I looked at their stats from last year. I've obviously watched them play a little bit. Their stats, to me, were almost identical as far as the touchdowns, interceptions. Um, they had, like, literally 20. They were separated by 20 yards on the uh, passing yards, 777 versus 757. Um, and it looked like Wimsat ran just a touch more, but not, nothing to be like, you know, writing home about or anything like that. Who do you think is going to be the, I'll just say at this point, who's going to be the guy that's starting game one for Rutgers this year? Yeah. So Gavin Wimsat is who they, they, you know, are, want to assume the role, take over the role. Uh, he did struggle with some injuries last year. They fired the offensive coordinator in the middle of the season um, because he had an ankle injury. And, and when he did come back, they did limit him in terms of being able to run. He had like a 40 some yard run against Boston college in this, in the opener. He's definitely, um, you know, as a dual threat quarterback, it helps him when he's not a traditional drop back passer. So they try to do that with him the second half of the year when he did become the starter and it wasn't the best situation for him. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of reasons. I mean, the offensive line, uh, struggled at times you, you had, mm. a, um, you know, they kind of threw in a new system on him with his offensive coordinator gone. Uh, so he's had some tough breaks. He's been inconsistent. He struggled with accuracy. He was, he's the highest rated recruit they've ever brought in at quarterback at Rutgers. So he was a four-star recruit, top 100 national recruit out of Kentucky. And, uh, there's been high hopes for him. he, Came in, uh, he skipped his senior high school two years ago to come to Rutgers early. So last year he really was um, a true freshman, more or less. He played uh, sparingly the year before. So he's very young. Uh, Kirk Chirac is a new offensive coordinator. I think it's going to benefit him a lot. I think they're going to scheme and game plan to his strengths. I think, um, you know, the personnel is a little bit more better suited for him in terms of the shorter passing game. So, We'll see what happens, but Wimsat is definitely who they want to be the starter. They haven't, you're right, they haven't named anyone, but, um, and, and there wasn't a lot of separation in terms of the spring game or anything like that, but I think that they're kind of coaxing him along. And um, that's ultimately, if Rutgers wants to, to take a step forward, they need Wimsat to, to, to be the guy and, and develop and take that big, uh, next step in his own development. What would be a like, stellar season for him as far as like, amount of touchdowns and maybe even yards if assuming that he stays healthy and starts the whole year what could a casual fan or someone that's not even following Rutgers um what could they look at and say wow he's actually having a really good year right now I think you know he's not going to be tasked to to win games necessarily in terms of making you know consistently make big plays but he's going to be more of a game manager, but he's, so he's going to have to limit his turnovers. He's going to have to be more accurate. So 
if he can complete 65% of his passes, if he can limit the, the interceptions, you know, could he throw for 12 to 15 touchdowns? I think so. You know, and if he could keep his interceptions to single digits um, and throw close to 65%, I would consider that a good year for him. Uh, and and it kind of a jumping off point for the future. Uh, Rutgers way back in the day, you know, when it was 2006, they had Mike Teal, who was uh, very young and he struggled his first couple of years. And he was more of a game manager when they had Ray Rice. And then his senior year, I mean, he was a prolific, he's, He's the most prolific passer in Rutgers history now. So he was uh, Louisville. There's a game he threw for six touchdowns. So I think there's some hope that maybe there's a similar situation where as he gets more comfortable and more experienced, he becomes a uh, more of a threat in the passing game. But I think this year, you know, you're going to see uh, his if he can manage games, limit mistakes, be more accurate, that would be a success. Gotcha. Uh, behind him last year, at least, I pulled up the stats for uh, Rutgers rushing attempts and yards uh, right before we did this, and there was, it felt like a thousand guys on that list uh, that ran the ball last year. I know it's obviously not that many. Um, from your side, would you like to see a running back by committee? I know a lot of teams, especially nowadays, they're using two, maybe even three backs to get the job done. What I personally like, maybe I'm a little bit more old school, is just one guy that's kind of carrying the load. Hold on one second. Hey, Cam. Sorry, my son's up here. I'll edit that out. <laughs> you still there? Feel yeah, like no problem. I'll edit that part yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Right? You're, fi- you're fading out. Of, like It's a little glitchy right now. Okay. It's still the audio. Yeah, and it's every- just being a little glitchy. Okay. The audio is still good on my end. I'm sorry about that. Is it good now? I can hear here, I'll wait for I can hear you. Maybe that was a good time for me to stop. Hey, Camden. No, no, no. Yeah, it's good. Can you, can you message your football it team? was, yeah. Because I know it's hard for you to be quiet right now. Can you please just go back downstairs? Just for a minute. I'll be done in 10 minutes, okay, bud? Thank you. I'm going to pause this for just a second. All right. Is it solid now or no? Yeah, no, it's good. Okay. All right. Uh, I'll kind of re-ask that question just so it kind of resets it. Um, For me, maybe I'm just a little bit old school. I like a guy that's kind of carrying the load. Uh, There's a lead back, and he's the one that's, you know, mainly carrying the ball. Is that guy, or can that guy be Samuel Brown this year? Or do you think that Rutgers is going to do what they did last year and have a bunch of different guys carrying the ball? No, I think Samuel Brown is that guy, and he was kind of becoming that guy uh, before he got hurt. Uh, he, the, you know, he got more and more carries as the season went on, and the last couple games, he really was the primary rusher. Uh, I was something like eighty percent of the carries, and then unfortunately, he got hurt in the Indiana win, and and that was it. So once he went out, they, you know, the offense definitely lost their biggest weapon. And, um, yeah, they did try committee. I mean, common on guys had some moments, um, you know, Aaron young had been hurt. He came back. He he's, I like him more kind of the short passing game out of the backfield, but I think ultimately, yeah, if Samuel Brown can be healthy and stay healthy, he's going to be the guy that they go to, uh, the majority of the time. If you look at Kirk Shiraka at Minnesota, 
Um, you know, he had Muhammad Ibrahim, you know, he really rode him as much as possible. So I think that that, you know, Samuel Brown is the type of running back that they can do that with as well. And, and he certainly showed a lot as a true freshman last year. Yeah, I thought he looked good when he was in, but like you said, kind of hampered by the injuries just a little bit. Um, hopefully he can, I'm, I'm really hoping he can stay healthy. Running back is my favorite position to watch. So I'm always cheering for the backs and I always want guys to just get a hundred carries a game. So I'll be cheering for him this year. Hopefully uh, he stays healthy and he just carries the load this year. That'd be nice. Mm-hmm. From my perspective. But yeah. I mean, every Rutgers fans hoping so. And, and having him will take some pressure off wins at for sure. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's it, and to see them together and develop together because Brown got hurt kind of before when that took over. So it'll be exciting to see both of them in the back backfield together. All right. I wanted to go through the schedule before I let you go. Um, kind of talk about what you thought an expectation would be for wins and losses. One of the things that I pride myself on is that I stick by a take. And I did already go through and give my predictions. And I'll be honest, I didn't I wasn't liking Rutgers schedule. And my prediction was that I have them going two and ten and not winning a game in the Big Ten this year. Um, I'd like to go through the games with you, though, and um, kind of get a breakdown of what games you guys think that you can win um, and what your record would be overall. So we'll kind of do it in three segments, if that's OK. First four games, middle and then the last four games. I personally have you guys winning uh, the Temple game and then the Wagner game. I think that those are games you have to win. Um, but then the Big Ten games, like you said, being in the East is really tough. Um, let's go through that really quick. So you start with. Uh, Northwestern at home, then your Temple at home, and then your Virginia Tech at home. So three home games right in a row. Uh, Virginia Tech tough. And then you travel your first road game is at Michigan. How do you guys think you start the season, the first four games? Yeah, it's... um... Listen, if they have any real bowl aspirations, you, you have to win those first three games. And uh, will they? I, I mean, I think they can. Uh, Northwestern obviously wasn't good last year. They do have the transfer quarterback from Cincinnati now. Uh, Virginia Tech wasn't particularly good. Uh, being at home obviously is an advantage. Uh, but I, I would say I, I think they'll probably go two and one. I think they'll split the Virginia Tech Northwestern game. Uh, pretty hard to say which one they'll win, which one they'll lose. But I could see them going two and two to start. Uh, not terrible, but probably not what you need to to get to a bowl game. Um, but obviously at Michigan, they did play really well there two years ago. They played Michigan really tough three years in a row now. Yeah. So, uh, but I listen. I, I'm not predicting a win in, in the big house, but uh, I, I mean, obviously, I'd love to see them win all three. I think they can win the first three. But uh, for prediction's sake, I'll say two and two. I feel like I picked Virginia Tech, and I don't know a lot about them, but I just know that traditionally they're good. And again, my podcast is called Casual Big Ten, so it might be a casual <laughs> take to just take Virginia Tech because of that reason. But uh, yeah. hey, I'm definitely going to be cheering for Rutgers during that game. There's no doubt. Well, I think you touched on it before. I, I think my concern is the schedule. They need to win right away. And can they mesh that offense quick enough to do that? I think that's the question. And I think, uh, uh, you know, Northwestern and Michigan and Virginia tech, I think they can win both those games, but I think it's fair to say they're probably toss ups at this point, you know? So, um, you know, as you know, winning, you don't usually win every toss up. So I, I think, I think a split there is probably the most realistic scenario. 
All right, so the middle of the schedule, you uh, come back home to play Wagner, and then you travel to Wisconsin. You're back home against Michigan State and then travel to Indiana. How do you think those next four games go? Yeah, so, I mean, you obviously have to beat Wagner. Wagner's pretty terrible. They're, they're probably the wor- one of the worst three FCS teams there is. Uh, you know, they never play at w- well at Wisconsin. Uh, Michigan State is the next game. That's homecoming. I think that is a winnable game. I don't think that they'll necessarily win it. Uh, if there's, you know, an upset per se for them or a game that's, you know, would be a big win for them, I think that is the game they could win. Uh, you know, all this is so early on, but, uh, yeah. and then at Indiana, I would say they're going to win at Indiana and I think they lose a close game at home to Michigan state. So I'll say they'll go two and two there as well. I was talking to my friend today. It's specifically about Michigan state. They're the hardest team for me to at this point. Cause it's what June 22nd tonight. And Michigan State is the hardest team for me to predict at this point because I have no idea what they're going to do when they start the season. They could be <laughs> yeah. god awful, or they could like get coached up, and they are a good team this year. I have no clue. I agree. Uh, definitely a wild card, and uh, yeah, I think for Rutgers it's just momentum. What happens every year is that they start off pretty well, and then they just get beat up, and that's where depth starts to really rear its ugly head uh in november and the schedule for whatever reason has been very difficult year after year the last four games and uh that lack of depth really catches up to them and the the lack of offense wears the defense down so it's kind of like a rerun that we've seen year after year lately where you know rutgers there's hope in the beginning and then uh you know they're kind of battling in the middle and then the end of the season it kind of unravels just because they're worn down and lack of depth and 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 you know at that point, typically have a few injuries. Yeah. Finishing the la- those last four games this year, you'll have a really tough game at home against Ohio State, traveling to Iowa, traveling to Penn State, and then Maryland comes into town. What a brutal way to end the season, those <laughs> last four games. Do you see – can you get two wins those last four games? No. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, realistically, I mean, those, those three games in a row are brutal. Uh, Maryland, you know, listen, uh, I, I think, honestly, Shiano's a better coach than Loxley, but Loxley has recruited really well at Maryland, and they've, they've been playing the last game of the regular season. Uh, recently, Rutgers did beat them two years ago, but last year Maryland just mopped the floor with them. And uh, I think with, you know, uh, their, their quarterback – uh, it's going to be tough this year. It is at home. Obviously it's going to be senior day, but I think they're probably going to lose out. So I would, I would say I, I've been on the fence four to four and eight or five and seven, but I think, you know, it, to be realistic and, 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 uh, not be a, a homer, I think four and eight is probably what they're going to be. Okay. So, I mean, we're, I mean, even though I was a little bit lower than you, I, we're not too far off. I know. And I talked about this on my show when I first released all my predictions, about how many games, like you said, are toss-ups. And Michigan State's a big one. Um, Indiana's another one. And then, like, as you mentioned, Northwestern, like, especially the first game of the season being a Big Ten game, that's going to be just a I, – I love when we open with Big Ten games. They're, like, my favorite thing because usually it's such a small school and it, it's not even worth watching. So that's probably the game that I'm most excited about that first uh, that first week anyway. So that'll be a fun way to uh, – It'll be a fun way to start the season, and I'm excited to see what's going to happen those first couple weeks especially. Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, 
that is the thing. Like Rutgers could get six wins, right? But they basically have to win every toss-up game on their schedule. Yeah. So is that realistic? You know, it could happen. 2014, they went eight and five. They kind of won every like every break they needed, they got, other than the, the loss to Penn State, which was brutal at home. But um, yeah, they pretty much every pretty much every like toss-up game that year, they ended up winning. So it can happen, but I just don't think it's realistic to expect or predict that to happen. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I kind of feel the same way. Um, Aaron, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate you giving us some insight on the football season this year before you go, uh, for all the Rutgers fans or anyone who wants to follow more Rutgers stuff, where can they find you? I have your Twitter name on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. Um, but where can they find you? Where can they listen to you talk more about Rutgers sports? Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Uh, but yeah, you find me on Twitter. Uh, the, it's thescarletfaithful.com. Uh, also on YouTube, it's my name, Aaron Brightman, uh, my channel. I have a daily podcast now. And uh, I do some you know, analysis, breakdown videos as well, uh, of certain players and things like that. But uh, I have some guests as well. Uh, so yeah, you can find me there. We're also Scarlet Faithful on Instagram. But uh, Twitter is where I do a lot of social media, uh, Aaron underscore Brightman. Awesome. Thanks again for coming on, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Appreciate it. All right. We're back. I hope you enjoyed that interview. Which one did you listen to? Did you listen to Aaron? Did you listen to Richie? Are you going to listen to both of them? I know that I am. Can't get enough of Rutgers football, man. Let's let's listen for a whole hour today. You know, each one of those interviews were about 30 minutes. Let's do an hour. You know, if you just finished the first one, don't waste any time. Matter, of, Don't even listen to the rest of this outro right here. Just click on the next one. Go listen to whoever you haven't listened to yet, man. Rutgers football, can't get enough of it. You can't get enough of any football this time of year, right? I'm excited. The season's about to start. We got one more episode for teams. It's Northwestern. You don't want to miss this one. I had Tommy Hook on. My boy, he's live in the studio from Nashville, Tennessee. He came here. And then on Friday, I got a surprise guest. I'm not going to tell you who it is. You'll have to tune in. We'll see you guys in the future.